Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing? Matt. Feeling so good, man. Basketball, full swing, NBA Twitter, full swing. NBA uh, Twitter this year is undefeated and it's awesome. It's it's been so much fun to start the year. It's a good first week. It is. It has been good, really good first couple weeks for the NBA. Uh, really entertaining. It's proven why it's the best league league around. Uh, you know, the refing hasn't been atrocious. <coughs> NFL. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the games have been fun. Uh, arguably more fun than some NFL games on today. Looking at you, Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, before we get much further into uh, episode 54, uh, let me remind you to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. We kind of had like a somewhat, uh, I guess, viral for our account tweet. Uh, Like it got like 12 likes in like five minutes. It's pretty good. We're making it, Ryan. We finally made it. We did something on Twitter. And remember to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and Stitcher. If you haven't already, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, Quick recap on episode 53, if you missed it. uh, We gave an overreaction for each NBA team uh, a couple games of the season, and that was really fun. Mm. We said some spicy, spicy stuff. Good stuff. Uh, So go back and listen to that if you missed it. Matt, what happened in this week in the NBA? So news... Well, most notably was the the Carlton Towns Joel Embiid brawl. Um, ben Simmons then coming in to break it up, you know, quote unquote, break it up, be the peacemaker. Um, that was nuts. That was like, awesome. That was like two seven footers just swinging haymakers. Guys who really like just evidently don't like each other. I love that. Like for no pair, like it's kind of gone in the NBA because there's so many like friends in the yeah. NBA now. Like everyone's really friends with each other, but like these guys just straight up don't like each yeah. other. And was this the greatest fight? No, not a lot of connections. <laughs> but uh, but I like the path we're going down here, which is a uh, I, yeah, I don't like you, and that's fine. Like I want to see rivalries, and is Minnesota. Uh, Philadelphia really a rivalry because Eastern Conference, Western Conference, never going to see each other. No, not really. But those are two dominant young big men who are going to be around the league for ten more years. I would honestly love one of them to get like them to get in the same conference because we're never going to see a finals of the Sixers, no. Timberwolves, no. and they only play each other twice a year. Um, but like the second game this year is going to be much must oh, watch. Yes, it is for sure. Um, other news. Um, Michael Porter Jr. makes his NBA debut this week. Um, he went for 15 points in 20 minutes. Looked really smooth. Um, the the Nuggets were very short-handed in that game, but this is good to see him finally get on the basketball court after sitting out all last year. Um, more depressing news, unfortunately. Injuries ha- have started to hit. Um, Golden State, most notably, um, Steph Curry breaking his left hand, having surgery, and being reevaluated in about three months. I know you and I were talking about this off air. Um, you need to say you're not coming back for All Star break, and then we'll we'll see afterwards. But yeah, this is this is not good. It, yeah, and if he does come back, I think what they should do is give him minutes restriction. Like, say you're gonna play 25 minutes game, yep. and like just worry about it the rest later. It's just not worth it. Um, along with Draymond having a torn ligament um, and a finger on his left hand. So, although they're saying he can play, they're being very cautious with him going forward. 
Um, again, one of those like probably need to shut them down for a couple weeks at least, maybe even November, and then just kind of same thing, play them when you need them. Um, but there's not going to be a lot of uh, crunch time minutes where Draymond's going to be needed, <laughs> if you get what I mean, um, with Golden State right now. Um, Reggie Jackson's out four weeks with a back injury. That's fine because Derrick Rose is balling. Uh, Gerald Green out six months with a broken left foot for, for Houston. Already not a very deep team, but we're going to talk about Houston a little bit more in a little bit, why it might not matter that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Collins has surgery on a dislocated left shoulder. I'd say that's pretty big for Portland. Yeah. Because their, uh, their four situation is, is not good, and he really shouldn't have been playing the four anyway. <laughs> but uh, he was, and so this hurts him even more, but Damian Lillard just trying to will that team to to as many wins as he can get them to. It's not looking great early on for Portland. I mean, they're three and three, but it's it's all Dame yeah. right now. Um, maybe making an MVP case carrying that team. Yeah. But again, I'm going to trust that Lillard can do some pretty amazing things. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Ed Davis fractures his left fibula. It said being reevaluated in a month. I'm not. I'm no injury expert, but that seems pretty early. Um, I don't know, but that's tough on Utah, who's starting to get some stuff together. Um, we'll see how they can. Rebound to pass that, but maybe that just means more Gobert minutes. So this is from a Thunder fan who has heard been reevaluated from Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Reevaluated means like nothing. It's yeah. <laughs> just like a legit, legit like what does that mean? Like, Where's check back on you in a little bit? Oh, you're still hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be like a two month injury. I bet. I, I bet. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate for Utah, but uh, Ed Davis hopefully can get back on the floor yeah. soon. And then last piece of news here, not really NBA related, but there there's repercussions out of it that the NCAA has started the process to allow student athletes to start making money uh, while in college. The reason I, I decided we needed to at least mention this is so we see like guys going overseas to play ball, um, Lamelo, R.J. Hampton, um, guys who are supposed to be top ten picks um, in the upcoming NBA draft, and we'll probably see more of these guys in the future. The NCAA can keep more guys around. I think that'll that'll help with the NBA draft process moving forward. Guys wanting to stay, especially if the NBA is going to keep making them do one and dones, a um, little bit easier scouting. So I don't have to watch Australian basketball more than I need to <laughs> or want to. Yeah, and all that money Zion made last year was wouldn't be <laughs> under the table. Yeah. Um, so just uh, throwing that out there. So now we're on to our big topic for the week. Surprises. So we talked about overreactions last week, and this week we're going to dive into our surprises so far in the season. Uh, there's been, I, I mean, like some really interesting narratives to start off the season, but we have chosen three teams each, and then we'll get into some more players uh, later, but we'll start with teams. Matt, who'd you pick with your first surprise of the season? So starting off positive, um, a, a phrase on this podcast is don't bet on Philly. and <laughs> But they've started good. Um, started out 5-0. and They're only undefeated team left at the time of this recording. Um, now, with that said, I mean, some of them have been close. Um, like, they beat the Pistons by six. They beat the, the Hawks by two. They beat the Blazers on Furkan Korkmaz's game-winning three the other day. Um, even the Celtics game, they ended up winning by 14, but that was a close game for, for most of it. So it's not like they're like easily 5-0. and But Still, they've played a decently tough schedule, um, and and made 
it through it um, so far. And still some tough games coming up, though, with the Suns, ja- Jazz, and Nuggets. So like, we'll, we'll see if this can keep up, but they're playing well. And a crazy thing with Philly, too, is that Embiid, since that fight, has been suspended. Yeah. And so like it's been Hal- Al Horford starting at center, and they've still been... I mean, Al Horford's been really good. Surprise. Yeah. Big <laughs> average out, right? Like, yeah. that's his nickname. But, but I mean, the the dude's just so consistent. Yeah. And then Ben Simmons has been been good. Again, it's still not the jumper thing that everyone wants to see, but, like, he's been good. Tobias has been fine. Like, they they just have a good team. Um, and, and that's showing a bit, like, yes, it's still a little clunky, I would say for sure, but there's just good depth for the most part, and that's shown through a lot. Um, so far yeah Matisse Thibel like starting yeah I mean had to had to but I like kind of fun it's just a fun deep team to watch yeah like I like Josh Richardson and and some other pieces they have there so I'd say that's been the surprises that they are 5-0 not that they're not good like we knew they'd be good but we just wonder at the beginning of the year like how long is this going to take and don't get me wrong it still doesn't look great but it's looked pretty good so that's been my first surprise team in a positive way. Still not betting on Philly. Yeah. Uh, so Still my not taking that back. My yeah. I mean, like playoff time. That's a little different. But so far, nice surprise from Philly. My uh, first team is not going to be a positive because I was really high on them all of last year, and Luke Walton has destroyed this team. <laughs> And made it not for, fun for me. If you haven't caught on, I'm talking about the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. What has happened? They're one in five. They've won one game. Yeah. No, I, I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Luke Walton deserves a lot of the blame. There's also some de- blame that can be passed on to management. But for the most part, like this is the same team that they, they've had the last uh, last year. I know Bagley's hurt, but Bagley doesn't impact it this much. Like, this just looks like a different team. And I I saw or I read a story, I think it was off The Athletic, um, Luke Walton talking about how, like, the team just hasn't had a lot of um, just practice opportunities because they, they are having to play in a lot of those international preseason games. And they're like, with all the flying and, and those games, like, we just, we, we lost probably five or six extra practice days that other teams got. And it's just really hurt us um, so far. And considering that teams didn't get to do a lot of practice before the season, I, I kind of get it. And so he's like, we just, our conditioning's just not there yet. And so they've learned the plays and we're trying to run those, but like the, the just game conditioning is just not there. It's like, yes, I get that. But how much game conditioning does De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill need? Right? Like, not much. I mean, they should be fine. So that's kind of where I'm at is like, no, I think it, I mean, that may be it for like the Harrison Barneses of the world, but not, not your core guys. Well, the thing is they've also kept so much continuity from last season to this season. They've caught, kept a lot of guys, yeah. and ex- especially their core. I know that um, Marvin Bagley's out, but you would think De'Aaron Fox with the step he took last year, he'd be able to continue on that trajectory. Yeah. And he hasn't. Um, no. It, it's just been a struggle for them, a slog offensively. I mean, yeah. they've scored, it seems like, under 100 points in every single one of their games. Yeah. Biggest drop-off, Kirk, Kirk Goldsberry uh, tweeted this out. Uh, there's a graph of net rating, and the Kings 
are second worst in the league at biggest drop off with minus 15 next to the Warriors who are minus 18. And everyone realizes year. how bad the Warriors are. Yeah. Like, and that one's almost expected, especially with all the injuries they've had. The Kings, there's no good reason for this. Yeah. Like the next next team is like uh I think the Grizzlies at minus nine, almost ten. Which again, a much younger team, no Gasol, no Conley. Like really no sense. superstar yet. Yeah. Although and, Jaw's coming on, but we'll talk about him more later. And like that's the thing that's been disappointment to me. Like this team was so fun last year. They played really fast. Like they were hucking the ball in like as soon as made basket happened, like De'Aaron Fox was standing almost at half court yeah. getting inbounds and trying to push the ball. And they're just like not that anymore. So it's really it's kind of hard to root for this team anymore. Yeah. To be it honest. Does. And like guys like Bogdanovich, who had a good last uh season, had a good summer playing international ball, like he's gotta be like feeling it right now because he hasn't started great either. And he's looking for that contract. Yeah. Like, there are dudes, like, motivated to do well on this team. And it just hasn't come together. It's the strangest thing to see. It's, like, super unfortunate. Because, like, even I wanted the Kings to, like, make the playoffs this year. Take that step. But they're nowhere close. Yeah. I mean, like, a 1-5 start, like, is really caught me off guard. I would have expected, like, a 3-3 three and three maybe. Yeah. But a 1-5 is, you're looking at a lottery pick almost. Like, and that's not... In, the, in a good way. Yeah. Either. So I'm going to go ahead and go with my next surprise team. I'll, I'll do one more positive before I get to my negative. Um, Minnesota. So outside of that uh, 76ers game where you had the ejection, which makes sense to lose that one. If you lose Carl and Towns, this team it just doesn't have a lot. Right. Um, but, man, they started 4-1 this year. They've – I mean, I can't say their schedule has been, like, the most difficult thing ever – but, like, they play the Nets, and maybe the Nets aren't as good as we thought they were, but they overcame the Kyrie 50 yeah, and, and won that game in Brooklyn. Opening night. Yeah, they beat the Hornets, which, again, not a terrible team. They beat the Heat when um, Andrew Wiggins decided to shoot threes, and, like, he looked competent. Yeah. Maybe beyond out of his mind, and we'll never see that again. Probably, but I mean, dude went bonkers yeah. and um, had a really good ending to that game. Like, and we haven't seen that a lot from Minnesota is like closing games well. And so, all right, two of the first three games closed pretty well and, and came out with the W, lost to the 76ers, but then, I mean, thrashed the Wizards like they were supposed to do. So like, I, I'm reasonably impressed with this team. I talked last week about Carl Anthony Towns, like this dude might is throwing himself in the MVP conversation. Like, not Mike. He is. Yep. Like, he's right there in the middle of all that. Wiggins, spotty, but when it's been good, it's been really good so far. Um, so that's been impressive. And, I, again, kind of that same thought as with Philly. Like, they have a good team. Again, I, I appreciate when teams, like, we're going to make sure our 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th guys off the bench are, like, competent, reasonable players. And they've just kind of embraced that this year. I like Ryan Saunders' philosophy for this might, team. Might be early coach of the year. I mean, really though, like just like he's not making things too hard. Like what what what's good about this team? They're athletic on the wing. They got a dominant big man inside, and their point guard play is like sufficient. So like, okay, let's not make Jeff Deague dribble the ball fifty times uh, per <laughs> possession. Let's get the ball to Carlton Towns. Let's have a lot of cutters and and find backside shooters, and that's it. Yeah. And they've just kind of 
it's like almost very simple basketball, but that's what this team needs, and it fits with the parts they have. I, I like that Ryan Saunders didn't just say, like, this is how we're going to play. Kind of Luke Walton effect. Like, we're, Luke Walton saying, this is how we're going to play. And Ryan Saunders is like, oh, let's look at this roster. Okay, let's, let's play around Cat and with what we've got here. So I really appreciate that so far. I don't know if it'll stand throughout the, the remaining 75-ish games of the year for this team. But, like, I think they're going to stay in that playoff race for, like, that 6, 7, 8 for a lot longer than people uh, probably assumed they would. Yeah, now that kind of Golden State's out of the picture in terms yeah. of playoff com- competitiveness, they really do have a shot this year. Cat also starting the season as a 50-40-90 guy. Pretty stupid. <laughs> as a center is just absolutely out of his mind. Uh, yeah, I like I like what Minnesota's doing. And my prediction of Andrew Wiggins not being a disappointment, kind of there. <laughs> Still there so far. Uh, so we're going to go on to a positive, And I think this is the first time we've ever said this about this team on this podcast is the Phoenix Suns. Honestly, and I wanted to talk about them more, but we can't give the Suns too much love. I can't get, go that far. But <laughs> Not yet. This, this is early season. If we're talking, still positively talking about them in February then that's going to be yeah. different. We'll, different. We'll give you an entire podcast <laughs> if you're still above 500 in February. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, Devin Booker has been really good. He has. Monty Williams is a really good head coach. He is? Like, <laughs> it's just straight up. Like, uh, going back to that, uh, those numbers I mentioned that Kirk Goldberry tweeted out, they're the biggest, like, move improvement, this team, at a plus 17 in net rating next to the Lakers, who are second, or the Lakers are right behind them at a plus 13, which is just, like, staggering. Mm-hmm. Like, think about what the Lakers have compared to what the Suns have, and it speaks to what Monty Williams is doing, another Coach of the Year candidate, I think, early on. Um, but they have guys who are just playing well. Like Devin Booker, Aaron Baines, huge improvement, and this without their n- number one over pick, number one pick in DeAndre Aiden, Aiden who's yeah. suspended for twenty five games. So I mean, the, the bright future Suns. It, it's it, happening. It's happening. It's finally happening. They're I'm, not two to three years away anymore. No, uh, I need to shout out Kelly Oubre. So this is a guy That's you and I have boy. talked about. I love Kelly Oubre. I always have. I've loved the idea of him, and I just feel like he just got a raw deal in Washington the entire time he was there. Like, they just never knew how to actually use this guy. This year, he's averaging 13.5 field goal attempts per game, which is about what he averaged last year with Phoenix um, once he got traded over there. Shooting 48% from the field, 35% from three. uh, Free throw percentage at 91%, getting to the free throw line more than he ever has. Six rebounds a game, two assists a game, like a steal and a half, like and 18 points per game. Like he looks like what we all thought he would be. Just finally got out of the dysfunction that was Washington. Shout out to Washington. Yeah, no, completely screwing up. Um, Got swindled on that deal. Yeah. Uh, So I just, he's been one of my favorite players um, this year to watch. Like just the swagger he brings, like the confidence he exudes. when I, I was watching a Suns game the other day, and like he got, I don't know if he got called for a foul or if like they said the ball went off of him and it like very clearly didn't. And he's turned to the ref and like um, mocked him by like covering his eyes, like and <laughs> acting like he didn't know what he was doing. Um, 
he got it teed up for it, but they changed the call in his favor. So, I mean, whatever. Like, I just love his game. Um, but then also talking about Devin Booker, just been lights out this year so far. So I'm, I'm going to have to eat some crow on Devin Booker. Yeah, you are. Because <laughs> I, I was talking mad crap about him this summer after not playing on Team USA Basketball when I thought he should have played been playing competitive basketball instead. I still think he should have been, but yeah, that's I, not... I mean, like, I guess get some training against some chairs actually did some good for him this summer. He's just been really efficient yeah. so far as starting. I think that's it. He's, like, the very clear leader of this team. He... Hasn't had to play point guard either. No. Um, yeah, like, I know Rubio's even been, been hurt some. They've gotten really good point guard play out of, like, Tyler Johnson... Uh, Javon Carter <laughs> we watched him for 18 years at West Virginia and the uh, dudes finally made it to the NBA and tearing it up yeah right? like his jersey got sold out on the suns.com <laughs> after a day uh so like yeah I just think like they've had competent backcourt play um beside Booker he's been really good so far the wing play has been good like Dario Saric yeah. um they've like found how to like utilize him in a really positive way sneaky guy they brought in Aaron Baines um that's looking so good I mean like they just have good dudes now that's the thing we've been I hate saying this on every podcast but play, play guys who don't suck and like good things tend to happen for your basketball team and Aaron Baines is definitely one of those guys like he resigned with Boston this summer and kind of got a raw deal and then traded to the Suns. Well, he wasn't and, sure about where the Celtics team was going to be going this year. In, in like a salary dump fashion for the Celtics to be able to sign Kemba. Yeah. Um, but it's a good trade for the Suns because they now have a really good backup center whenever DeAndre Ayton comes back. Yeah. And I think that's probably where Baines more needs to be. Yeah. But, but you've seen him like this this year, like be really competent. I think he's been like a another good leader for this team like again coming from like the celtics and the spurs like in the past like he just knows how a good team should act and be run and monty williams has helped that again being from similar type organizations they just have dudes now like that can guide the young guys and the young guys are also balling out at the same time just the perfect combination at the right time good for the suns for finally getting out of the suck fest yeah so far i'll say let's not uh, get too far ahead of ourselves but yes (laughs) for sure so my my last surprise team, and this is my my not so good one, um, Brooklyn. So <laughs> I'm just gonna now, be quiet they, here for a minute or two. So they've lost two games by a point each. Um, the the Timberwolves game, which we mentioned, and then they lost on a buzzer beater to the Grizzlies. Um, so like I would say both of those, like they could have won, but they barely beat the Knicks. Also, um, took a guy, Kyrie dagger. To, to seal that win. Lost to the Pacers, who have not been uh, particularly good so far <laughs> this year. Um, and then, but then they finally showed up the other night against the Rockets and mm-hmm. won by seven. And they, re- they were really in control of that game, um, I would say. The score was a lot closer at the end than what the game was played to be. It Especially was like in the a, second half. It was like a 10 to 15 point game in that second half for most of it pretty much all the time so it's like in that one game you see like what the nets really could be this year but in the first four games you like it was rough like they easily could have been zero and four um and said they're they're i think like uh and they lost to the pistons the other day too um so it's like man they they really could be one and five they're two and four same time i could say maybe they could be four and two but i think that's just the point though 
with a team led by Kyrie Irving, you could be really good. You could be really bad. I mean, but you'll probably end up somewhere in the middle. And in the East, that middle is going to be good enough to probably make the playoffs still. But this team has not looked good. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing. And we've watched. I've watched a couple games of them, and it's just been all over the place. Karis Levert. I want the ball more in his hands, but like. It's kind of hard when you have a ball dominant, another yeah. ball dominant guard. Um, that second unit was really good against the Rockets, and I think that was the quiet like thing about that game. Torian Prince had a really good game. Yeah, Jared Allen w- was really good as a rim mm-hmm. protector in that game. Not asked to do a ton in that pick and roll. Yeah, um, defense and like he he was really good rim rim protector. Spencer Dinwiddie really played well in that game as well. I like Dinwiddie a lot. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Is like they have good players. It just hasn't come together, and they had so much turnover from this year to last year. And we talked about that in our preview podcast. Like, I think this Nets team is closer to a 500 team than they are to like a 45 to 50 win team. Yeah, you mentioned that. Um, just because of, I mean, of course, you have your second best player or best player on the team out for the year in Kevin Durant, and so it's hard to make that up. Um, but I still think this team should make the playoffs, and it doesn't, might not look like they are right now. Yeah, again, I think they'll end up being good enough Yeah. by the end. Wilson Chandler also out right now. Like, But I, I think I need to see Kyrie and Karras not on the court at the same time a little Stagger more. Stagger their minutes more. Yeah, because at this point, Kyrie... You can really throw just four guys out there, and those guys will get minimal touches no matter what, no matter who those four guys are. And then just kind of like sub Karras in and let Karras be the point forward. Right. That's really what he's comfortable doing, or or Dinwiddie, whatever. Um, almost having two teams, and one which I don't usually advocate for that, but this team so far, knowing Durant's not coming back, like that's almost what this team looks like it needs. And in the fourth quarter, let Kyrie just do his thing. Because usually, it's been working out. They just didn't get those last couple wins. And that's not necessarily his fault. Yeah. Um, that they didn't secure those two victories against the uh, the Timberwolves and then also against the uh, Grizzlies. Because so, he got them to overtime. Yeah. Well, they should have definitely won the Grizzlies game. I watched pretty much all of the second half of that one and into overtime. And they were in control, and they just couldn't. Yeah. They weren't good defensively. Like, that's yeah. what it straight up was. And that's part of it, too, is this is not a defensive team. Yeah. Like, there's no guy on this team that you're, I mean, outside of Jarrett Allen, you're like, this guy's a good defender. DeAndre Jordan's just not anymore. It's never been Joe Harris's thing, Levert's thing, Dinwiddie's thing. Like, they're reasonably competent, but they're, like, they're not, like, great defenders by any stretch of the imagination. Torian Prince isn't. Like, there's just not a lot. Garrett Temple... Again, competent, but not like he's he's just older now. They just don't have that guy. There's a yeah, like you said, there's not that one guy who can just like stick on X wing defender and shut him down for under his average. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that's what this team needs to be looking for at the deadline, and possible. I am not at all giving up on the Nets, but not good start, and I think that's just fair to say. Yeah. So my last team is going to be the Utah Jazz. And I don't know if it's good or bad. They've just kind of been meandering for the most part to start the season. And I don't know how else to explain it. Um, we thought like they need 
we thought this summer they made a whole bunch of really smart signings, and they didn't. They went and got yeah. Mike Conley. They uh, signed Bogdanovich. Yeah, from the Pacers. Um, Je- Jeff Green, competent, another wing. Yeah, Ed Davis. Ed Davis. Emmanuel Moody has played well yeah. so far. Yeah, so far so good. They got off Derek Favors finally. Mm-hmm. They made a decision on that. Um, but it still just feels like the Donovan Mitchell show. Like it's still like I know Mike Conley really hasn't played well to start the season. I guess that's kind of part of my surprise with this team is that I was expecting more from the Jazz to start the season. Yeah, and offensively they still look anemic. They're still the really good Jazz defensive team we've known over the last three they seasons. always will be they always as will. long as rudy gobert is on this team quinn snyder rudy gobert yeah. like that that's a really good pairing but offensively this team still still looks like it's struggling like they need bogdanovich mm-hmm. they need need bogdanovich to play and like well that's okay like it's still not great for this team yeah. i would need mike conley i think they're straight up they're gonna need mike conley to to really play to yeah. like be the full potential of this team. And I think that's where the Jazz are going to get stumped up this year. If he's kind of on the back end of his career, and hopefully these first few games haven't indicated that, but it looks like that so far. Yeah. It's just going to be a struggle for them offensively still, and that's kind of what we thought they got out of with all these signings last season. So I don't know if it's a disappointment. They're still trying to figure themselves out. I get that. But. I think that the the fact that the record still... <clears throat> Like is they're like four and two to start. Like yeah. if that record was flipped two and four, then we would be harping on what you're saying. But the fact that they've been able to still win some games, like is keeping that narrative away for now. But it doesn't mean the narrative shouldn't be talked about. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna see a stretch maybe early in the season here where they do drop a couple more games, and then that narrative is starting to gonna rear its head. But all that could be a moot point when Mike Conley turns it on and is really good offensively. Yeah. I think he's had of, a good game or two, I think now. So like maybe it's coming, but yeah, I, I still think that Mitchell and Conley needs to be staggered a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and you said last week in your overreaction, they need to make him like trade for Joe Ingles, like get him off the roster. I did. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's, it's been a rough start for them, I think, offensively, but maybe it, maybe that'll change. Who knows? Yeah. All right, so you ready for players? I am very much ready for players. So, again, throw in some positives, maybe maybe one or two of that less positive. But for the most part, we're, we're going to try and keep this a little more upbeat on this podcast. Um, so we'll start with a, a couple Celtics guys. So we're, we'll each give a Celtics guy. We'll each give a, a, a Thunder guy, since those are our teams. Then we'll, uh, we'll get into we each have a rookie guy and then uh, just a, a couple other random ones just, just for the fun of it. So we'll start with the Celtics guys. I said Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he looks like the guy we signed two years ago. He has, I mean, he was fantastic. I forgot... Who they were playing? Oh, Milwaukee. That's right. I keep forgetting that. But um, that comeback. Man, he was running pick and rolls. He was hitting corner threes. He was getting to the basket. He was doing everything, and it was awesome to finally yeah. see Gordon Hayward back. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like in that Milwaukee game, nine for seventeen from the field. So really aggressive. Three for six from three. Ten rebounds. Seven assists. Finished with twenty-one points. Like, I mean, that's just the most perfect stat line for this team. Yeah. Is. Because our rebounding sucks. 
just straight up. So like he was getting in there, getting rebounds. He was still distributing. He was finding reasonably easy baskets. Um, then, like, I mean, he played at just everything you could ask him to do in that game. Um, and that's not the only good game he's had, though. It's not like that was the one, like, outlier. If anything, his uh, a game against the Knicks where he only had nine points, six rebounds, three assists, like, that's the outlier. Every other game, he's in double digits. He's getting a lot of rebounds. He's being a distributor. Like, Gordon Hayward just looks like who we thought he would be that secondary ball handler, secondary creator who is just like that wing point you, you occasionally need whenever your smaller point guard just can't get it going for a few minutes. Gordon Hayward just alleviated more of the, uh, the pressure off of Kimba than I think we anticipated he could um, this year. It's what we all hoped, but you couldn't believe it till you saw it and we're seeing it. Yeah. It's really awesome to see him. Like it's, he looked really comfortable the other night for the first time I think yeah. I've seen in a long time, and it's it's awesome. I love watching Gordon Hayward play. It's like a souped up like version of what I want myself to be in <laughs> a basketball court. It, but I had never had any of tenth of the ability <laughs> Gordon Hayward does. Um, but it's awesome. Good for yeah. him for being able to get to the basket, get around pick and rolls now. And I said, just, he, he's done it against like good teams too. Yeah. Like it's not just like yeah. the Knicks. He's done it against the Bucks, the Raptors, and the 76ers. Like he's had three good games against three good teams, and we've come out with victories in two of them. And that Philly game, like if Kimba could have hit five shots, like that five more shots, because he wasn't hitting anything, like that game could have been very different. Um, but he was like maybe the lone bright spot like true bright spot in that game. Like he was like eight for 15, nine for 11 from the free throw line. He got to the basket, like literally 19 times. Like he was just doing everything. So it's like, he's doing it not just against the bad teams. He's doing it against the good teams. And when the team has needed him to, like he's been able to step up and again, it's what we've wanted. But after that big injury, like you just don't know how long it takes for a dude to get like, the physicality back but also like right mentally yeah and he just he looks like he's finally come back into his own i think that's just what boston's perfectly needed this year speaking of what boston is perfectly needed Mm. so i was going to talk about jason tatum but i audible i'm going to talk about marcus smart yeah because that dude has legit been i think the best defender in the nba so far uh to start the season he, in going back to the Milwaukee game, he was guarding Giannis. He would switch on to, to Eric Bledsoe. He was everywhere making plays, taking charges, getting steals, being scrappy, and being really productive on the offensive end at the same yeah. time. Hitting threes, taking smart shots. And, like, this is – that's the leadership that, like, Boston needs. Like, outside of Kemba, I think Marcus is a – the definite leader on this Boston team and it's just shown on the court and like Boston loves him it's hard not to like he plays such like outside of the flopping really he plays like such a scrappy type of game and it's so fun to watch um because he's not afraid of Giannis he's not afraid to guard the star and like that's a lot of fun to watch yeah he's a guy for us like we both went to Oklahoma State like we watched him in person (laughs) and it's like the fact that we all knew like this is really what he could be yeah and it's just finally come full circle for him like the shooting's more there than it was in the past he's not like a great shooter still but like he's good enough serviceable to, yeah to where like you don't feel 
bad playing him on that side of the court. Like he's good. He's he can run the team. Like mm. not just like vocally, but like he can kind of run the offense now. Um, not in the same way like Kemba or Gordon Hayward runs the offense, but um, when those guys aren't out there, like he he's good enough to to make the right play. And he's he's just to that point now. Like he's the most experienced Celtic. Like in terms of like longevity with that team, which is really weird. Yeah. Um, but like he's just been around so long now, and I think he, going through with good teams, with bad teams, with teams that have underperformed, teams that have overperformed. Like he's just kind of got like, and you don't want to say like a guy's got experience just because he's been in the league for like six years or whatever. But like he's really seen it all. Yeah. Um, with this one franchise and in his time there, and so I think knowing all what he knows now and experiences like. He's able to guide Jalen and Jason and then some of the younger guys like Robert Williams in a way that he just couldn't have before. And I, I appreciate the the development in his game, but also like the the intangibles, the the scrappiness and all that. Like that's just he's the he is the epitome of the Boston Celtics. Like Early, historically yeah. and er, currently. Early defensive play of the year. And I think he's like just one of those guys like who's untouchable to trade for the Celtics. Like, I don't know, like probably con- contract wise, like unless you were like off and Giannis, yeah, I can get off well, my like, team Marcus smart, but like, unless it was like a Jalen, I don't even know if you can trade Jalen Brown this year because he signed the extension, but like just to make the money work, Jalen plus Marcus, but you'd have to begin some really, really good in return. Right. For that. But I don't, I still probably wouldn't see that happening. Yeah, I think I think it means too much to the organization for him. I could say that, and tomorrow he could be traded for all I know. Danny uh, Ainge is kind of ruthless. But. <laughs> that is true. Uh, who's your next player on your list? So we'll go rookies next. Um, PJ Washington. Your boy. Again, I, I hated that Charlotte picked him where they picked him just because it's like you had to be more on the rebuild yep. track. Um, and But PJ Washington, like, He's kind of proving that point. They're like, no, he's just a good basketball player. I don't know what his ceiling is, but he's just a really good basketball player, and he belongs in the NBA. Um, I, I love that he starts off his career like hitting seven threes in the first game, <laughs> like just absolutely bonkers um, against Chicago. And then uh, even since then, like he's not shooting at, at that volume. We knew he wasn't going to shoot at that volume. I said it right after the game. He's not going to keep shooting at that volume, but he's shooting. Um, in the in the five games since four threes two five five three and making him that like at a reasonable clip so like he's doing exactly what you'd want he's pretty efficient from inside the three-point range so far also so he's not like really forcing it um free throws have been fine like rebounds have been good he he's not doing too much i think that's what i like to see as he's not trying to do too much out there for this team if they need him to go try and score 20 in the couple games they've needed that he's done it and in the uh, the other games where they just need like we need twelve points, five rebounds, and good defense, he's done that too. So like I like the versatility he brings. I like the stretch capability. Again, not sure if he really fits with this team's timeline, but you know it's just kind of useful to have a guy like that. I think who's just a really good basketball player. Well, like I think you bring up good point there. Is like he's not like probably a pillar of this rebuild for Charlotte. Yeah. But he could turn into an asset that you then trade to a team who's trying to contend, and he could play good rotation minutes somewhere, and like you get some assets back. For yeah, that, whatever uh, that looks like for Charlotte. Yeah, and that probably won't be even this season, but in a, in a year or, or two, because this thing I think is going to take a while. 
in Charlotte, really until you can get that cap space, what you want with the Batoon contracts and Biombos and everything. But like, I would say, like, they weren't expected to, to win any of the three games they lost. Yeah. So like, they lost to like the Timberwolves, the Lakers, and the Clippers. Like, the LA games were both on the road. Like, they weren't supposed to win those games. Um, so it's like, if you think the fact that they're already at three wins this year, like, I thought they'd get like twelve. <laughs> um, so like. The fact that he's already got three for him, and really, like, the, of those three games, like, two of them, he went for 20-plus and was just balling out. Like, yeah. the fact that he's really just willed them to two other three wins already, like, again, I just really like this dude. I wish he would have gone to a different situation, but the fact that he's made the best out of Charlotte so far, I gotta know it's really, really early in the year. I, I just, I love it. I, I think this dude's not a stud, but a really good basketball player. He's yeah. gonna be, he's, again, I said it at the time when he got drafted. This dude's going to spend like 12 years in the league. Now, is, are all 12 years going to be in Charlotte? Probably not. But he'll spend three years in Charlotte and then six years somewhere else really helping out, really contributing. And then he'll go to a couple other teams in the last three years to kind of help them win a championship. And that'll probably be it for him. But he's going to have a really solid career. He's just going to be a guy that a lot of people like. I really enjoy having him on our team. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, he's been fun to watch so far, even though Charlotte necessarily overall hasn't been. Okay, so my rookie has to be John Morant. My rookie of the year pick. Man, he's been so good. It, it, oh my gosh. That the Nets, Nets game. The Nets game was maybe one of the most fun games early on this season. And if you missed it, because it was the Memphis Grizzlies against the Brooklyn Nets. Like, I you got to find a way to rewatch that game, especially in overtime. Like, that guy just, like, willed some baskets. Like, he found, he just got to the rim. He, I don't know why, but I, I thought he was a little bit smaller than he is. But he looks really good against, like, other NBA players. I mean, he's thin. And you can tell that. He's still thin. But, like, height's not a huge concern. Yeah. Yeah. And he his finishing ability is so good. I think the comparisons to Russell Westbrook, for all the years I've watched Russell Westbrook, is pretty spot on that's what i said he was like a. I said my comp my professional player comp was russell westbrook and like a terry rosier body yeah yeah and it like he didn't really shoot the ball a ton like from the perimeter but he did have i think a, at least one or two threes in that nets game and then he had the assist like the villanova that was exactly it though like just Get the two guys in front of you and then just shovel pass back to the trailer and get a good work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and like the, like, and that overtime was essentially without Jaron Jackson Jr., which it could have been closer mm-hmm. in favor of Memphis if he played because that pairing is going to be really good down the stretch. It for sure is. Um, but I think John Morant is definitely putting his. I think he's high up on rookie of the year right now. Even though the team overall isn't great, he has been playing really, really well. Um, I don't think that's going to be a huge knock on him that the team isn't playing particularly well. Yeah, I mean, like, R.J. Barrett, surprisingly, is going to be in that conversation, I think. He's been good. He's been just straight up good. Um, And they're also not the team the Knicks suck, obviously. But um, (laughs) they have, like, three point guards on the roster. Two of them are hurt. So, like, I don't know who's playing point guard. Frank. (laughs) Frank. Your boy Frankie Smokes. And then, like, the 15 other power forwards they have on that roster. Yep. Um, But John Morant, really fun guy. Really fun player. I'm glad he's, 
like where he's at with Memphis, uh, because that pairing of John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be really good in the it next is. couple of years. It really is. Yeah, the block on Kyrie, like also like again, he's trying on defense. Yeah. He's not good at it, but he's trying. And yeah. I think that it's almost that same De'Aaron Fox path. Yeah. Of like, it you see the flashes offensively, you try defensively, and hopefully it just all starts to come together in the next couple of years. Well, like that—that's the thing. I think, like you don't, like you said, you don't have to be an elite defender, but that like block against Kyrie is gonna go a long way for his confidence. I think so. Yeah. So a guy, I'm. It's a Thunder guy. Um, we'll go to our Thunder Thunder guys now. Um, his three point shooting is good, but I'm not sure what else is particularly um, working right now for uh, Chris Paul. Um, Yikes. So. <laughs> I'm just so uh, torn because historically, I, I like Chris Paul. I like uh, the the fight he brings to a game. Like he's never gonna be a part of like a truly bad team. Like he's just gonna he's gonna elevate whatever squad he's on. Yes. But this year, like it's a career low in minutes per game right now. He's sitting at 29, which is still quite a bit, but that's a career low for him. 10.3 field goal attempts per game. That's a career low for him. He, he's taken four and a half threes because that's still in modern NBA, shooting 48% on him. So, like, yes, he he's being a floor spacer for this team, but I just... he He's really efficient, but I just don't know if he's what this team needs at all. And the fact that they're, like, not terrible is, like, cool, but I don't know if Chris Ball's, like, really the reason they're not terrible. You know, oh, it's it's absolutely not been him who the, why the Thunder have won or lost games. Like, can you believe Chris Paul's averaging four and a half assists per game right now? Like, that's incredibly low for a point guard, let alone Chris Paul. Yeah, point point guard, right? Yeah. Um. Well, I think a lot of it. It's funny you bring this up. Because, yeah, I'll say ours kind of tie together. Uh, I I was talking to one of my friends uh, about the thunder in general and he asked me he was like is chris paul like playing at like 50 percent? like is he just like not going 100 percent?" i said no he's just really old he is and like that's the thing is like he can't get around pick and rolls anymore and i think that's why you're sh- starting to see more three-point shots for him like his ability to get to the rim has been significantly cut yeah and so it's really hard especially with steven adams out like nerland's noel it's not like he's an awful center, but he's not the, it's not type. the same thing. He's not giving you the space that Steven Adams would. Um, and it, it's like the defenders are just not going to allow him to get to the rim. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that, the ball has also been out of his hands quite a bit with SGA, who, it's been really good. boy, oh boy, averaging like above 20 points per game and has just been, just been insane. In uh, the way he's played to start this year, um, I think he's like, I don't know, one of five, like good, really good rookies from last year. So second year players at yeah. this point, he's averaging 35 minutes so far, 21.8 points per game on 46% from the field, uh, shooting 38% from three, which is right around what he was shooting last yeah. year. Um, assists have stayed about the same. 
He's rebounding at a really high clip right now at 7.2, which is like, yeah. I guess that's just a Thunder Guard thing is just rebound the ball a ton because your big men aren't yep. rebounding. Um, I don't know. I've been really impressed with SGA. And like you said, Chris Paul, it's been rough to watch because he's just old. Yeah, I think that that maybe just say, like he just can't do quite as much as, as he used to. And as long as Oklahoma City is either one, okay with that, two actively looking to trade him or three saying like we're really trying to focus on the development of our other guards then like you can live with any of this but i maybe yeah you need to look on the bright side sga has been everything and more you wanted yeah i mean that's been the case and paired with really good play from um uh other guards too uh it's it's been Kind of rough to see Chris Paul like in this decline, but good for the Rockets for getting off him and upgrading yeah. the point guard position. Yeah. So then my next guy, uh, so our la- our last four, two each, just kind of from the league. I'm I'm really digging this point guard, Malcolm Brogdon. Dink. Um, second in the league in assists right now, averaging over ten a game. Um, only LeBron just passed him in assists per game. Um, totals. Uh, by like half an assist so yeah i've really enjoyed this um i know the pacers don't look quite as good as we we'd hoped but brogdon um already missed a game miles turner dealing with this uh right ankle injury um along with other injuries for this team averaging uh a career high 16 and a half uh shots per game that's five more than he averaged last year for milwaukee taking five threes knocking him down at 36 percent clip like he he's been reasonably efficient. Um, he doesn't miss free throws like at all. Ten, like I said, ten assists, six rebounds, twenty three points per game. Like he's again pushing for an all star spot. He's in complete control of that team, that offense, while still being a really good defender. I know he's twenty seven years old. So for a twenty seven year old, you would think, okay, yeah, this is the prime of the prime um, right now. And even though he's only in his fourth year in the league, but he's I, he looks like Indiana got him at a huge value deal. And I know he's not a superstar, but he's getting this Indiana team as far as it should be going right now because it's not a particularly good team yet. Yeah. And it, it, like watching Milwaukee, like you bringing up him leaving, it feels like they miss him like a lot. So much. Um, and he's been, I think, the lone bright spot for the Pacers so far. Um, on their team with Turner out and Sponis being injured as well early. I don't know. Like <laughs> you imagine Milwaukee come playoff time is just going to like, you're going to go, Oh man, there's those like 15, 20 points that you needed from Malcolm yeah. Brogdon, like going out the window. And I think once this Pacers team gets healthy, we're going to see a fully formed, like Victor Oladipo, Brogdon, Turner. Like that's a really yeah. good lineup. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. So that's something that even though the team isn't doing great, I, I know that the best version of them is going to be later in the year. And Brogdon's keeping them afloat for now and having the best season of his career. And there's really no arguing how good he's been. Um, he's just uh, a, probably came into the league an above average player um, than most rookies, but that's on account of playing so many years at Virginia. And you can tell like there's been a step every year. And this year has just been a significantly bigger step because he's being asked to fill a significantly bigger role. But I, I'm really 
excited. That was one of, a deal we all were, were big on this offseason, and it's he, paying huge dividends for uh, Indiana. I couldn't imagine this team without him. So we can't go uh, without uh, a surprise, positive surprise podcast without my boy Luka Doncic. Man, he... We talk about every pod, and he deserves it. He's... I, I Like, statistically, like, I'm looking at his numbers and it's not like anything that jumps out like he's shooting 45% from the field 32% from 3 which isn't awesome but 26.2 points per game um and the duel that he had with LeBron James the other night was so just spectacular both going for triple doubles 30 plus points 15 assists like who does that <laughs> LeBron no. and Luka <laughs> and it, like LeBron saying uh, you're a bad mother effer. Yeah. After the game, that's got to feel so good. Was just incredible. Um, I've been really impressed with Luca. Like I was impressed with Luca last year. I've been more impressed with Luca this year. He looks so good. He's mm-hmm. averaging 26 points, 9.6 rebounds, and 8.4 assists so far this season in five games, and that's just been incredible. Along with adding another star and Kristaps Porzingis who's looked really good too. Yeah. Um just like the these two are going to be really good for a long time. Yeah. And like that like Luka's going to be in the, a superstar in the next couple of years and he could be a serious like contender for making the All-Star game this year. Um with the way that he's been playing cuz he's been almost unguardable. Like he's had that step back in his arsenal but now he's able to get to the rim almost easier because he's lost weight mm-hmm. his contact finishing around the rim is incredible um and he's one of the most fun players to watch right now in the nba yeah. if you haven't watched a mavericks game you need to fix that and watch a mavericks game <laughs> oh for sure yeah they're they're just a pretty well-built team and the fact that they've been able to like they had to make moves to acquire both luca and Kristaps. yeah like they were bold enough to go do it and trust that it was going to work and so far it has like it's it's a credit to the Mavericks, but also like individual credit to Luca for like getting himself right and being the absolute star he is. One guy each to to finish this off. Um, your boy, your former boy. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Russell Westbrook. So he's been better than the stats indicate. Like I, I mentioned it in our last spot. Like the Rockets need him. Like the. It was obviously, and we mentioned Chris Paul, it was the right move to to go get him. Um, now, maybe you could say, it, I don't know if Russell was the most perfect fit for this team, but way better than Chris Paul was going to be, um, obviously. It brings like a sense of athleticism that the Rockets really haven't had. Um, like it adds to their fast break, and it's going to eventually get more open buckets for yeah. guys like James Harden, P.J. Tucker. We've already seen that early in the season, uh, but because of Russ's driving ability and pushing ability and transition. Um, he, I mean, it's just going to help them in the playoffs get easy buckets. I think so. And so like, and I know like the argument is like he makes James Harden worse, but I don't think Russell Westbrook's the reason James Harden has not been shooting well. <laughs> um, like that's just not it in my opinion. But the fact that Russell Westbrook will make the number three through number nine guys on their team better because he's going to get them more shots because he's able to get to the basket more than Chris Paul did or would be able to this year. I, I think it is going to be helpful. And if the Rockets truly believe layups and threes, I mean, Russell Westbrook's, I think he epitomizes that 
um, and uh, because you're not seeing the mid range quite as much. He he's tried to get it out of his game. So, I mean, if it's open, they're cool. But I I just think like even though he his shooting percentages from three have not been particularly good again, twenty seven percent. He he's hit some timely ones. The free throw percentage it's still weirdly low at like seventy percent right now, but it's better than it was last year. I think it comes around, and once his team really again shows like they have something to play for, I'm gonna trust that he's gonna be good in the fourth quarter. Not my favorite player, but he's been surprisingly good in that combination with that team. Yeah, like you're just gonna have to live with the frustrating step back threes and mid range yeah. shots and all that stuff. But the positive that he overall brings to this Rockets team is going to help this team win at least five to eight regular season games and maybe a couple playoff games that they wouldn't have gotten before. Yeah. And I sometimes, and we've talked about this before, sometimes you need, you need a difference maker, a bucket getter. Um, like, yes, you want good point guard play. You want good wing play, all that. But sometimes you just need a dude who can get you a bucket or get you a play, whatever that could mean, at the end of a game. And Westbrook, sometimes he'll shoot you out of a game. But I, the Rockets at this point, you can't be concerned with that because you're more worried about winning that one or two games that you just haven't been able to get over the hump of. And Westbrook might help that. And you got to play the long game here. Got to be the long con, always. So the last player we have and my last player, Brandon Ingram. Man, he he's the epitome of, of this category. Man, he's been awesome. Awesome surprise. Uh, he has started his most improved candidacy off with a bang. Like, mm-hmm. dude shooting almost like 50% from three, I think. Uh, I can pull up his stats here really quick. But he, he's just been really fun to watch. Hasn't really, um, hasn't really like, taken a step back. Uh, from this year, his point point scoring is going up. Uh, he's scoring almost 24 points per game, 50 percent, oh, 51 percent, excuse me, on field goals, 50 percent from three, taking about three, hitting about five. Um, it, it's just like been a real improvement for him this year. His playmaking, like his assists, are up overall. Mm-hmm. Um, really good defensively, uh, paired with like. I mean, like, the lineups that Pelicans can throw out, like, centered around Ingram are so good. Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball. You could throw J.J. Redick in there. I'll say, if you need more shooters around him, you can put that in. If you need just bigger forwards around him, you can do that also. Like, this team, like, has the versatility to kind of throw out there whatever you need around him at the time. And he can play either way. And the fun thing is Zion hasn't been added to the lineup yet. Of course, still injured. But, like, the what this team can do in the future, like, you can see why we were all so excited this yeah. offseason for all the moves they made. And Brandon Ingram might be the centerpiece of this whole thing, which is crazy when you think that they still have maybe one of the best college players to ever lace it up coming in. Yeah. Uh, one of the most exciting guys, at least in the league right now, uh, who hasn't played a game for them. And that's that's going to be really exciting for the Pelicans. Um I, I honestly think they are one of the best young teams in the league, and I still think they can make a push for the playoffs, even though I think they've only won one or two. They're Yeah, I think they're like one and four right now. Um, at the time of this recording, um, they played a lot of games quick, um, and I think that's going to pace out here some. Uh, so hopefully they can kind of bounce back and make a playoff push, but 
uh, I've been really impressed with Brandon Ingram, and I, he's my most improved so far yeah. this season. Teams one and five because I lost to the Thunder the other day. Yeah, um, the weird tip, a four p.m. tip on a Saturday. Yeah, weird. Battle of the cousins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nikhil, uh, Alexander Walker, and Shea Gildas Alexander. Um, but it's like they're one and five. But like they again, we we mentioned the last pod. They lost to the Raptors in Toronto on ring night. Made it competitive. Yeah, lost to the Mavericks because Luca just went bonkers. Yep. Um, there at the end, lost to the Rockets by three in Houston. Like okay. Now the loss to the Warriors was bad, like that's that's the game they needed. But at the same time, the Warriors were like Curry was playing super desperate. Um, so like okay, okay, you get it. They beat the Pel or they beat the Nuggets. So like that's an impressive game. Um, and then the Thunder, it was in Oklahoma City. So it's like they they've had some like a really tough schedule to start. So it's not totally surprising they're one and five. Of course, you would like for them to stolen another game or two in there, but. You can't doubt what Brandon Ingram's done for that, this team. Like, because if he was just playing the way he did for the Lakers, they they would be zero and six, and yeah. a lot of those losses wouldn't even been close. Right. Like he he's kept this team competitive in games, and that development has been huge. And as long as he's able to keep the mindset, like if you just keep playing like this, once it all comes together, like team wise, this team is gonna be really good. Like that that's what we'll we're hoping to see. Because, yeah, he's been a monster. And I'm going to bet that J.J. Redick is going to coach this, uh, help coach this team to get to the playoffs. Probably. Because he has that streak going. Of he's like, not going to lose it. 14 years or something like that. Matt, do you want to add anything before we end this podcast? I, you know, I think we, we've hit on a lot of teams, a, a lot of guys. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with this. We've hit on a lot of narratives to start the season for sure. We'll be back next week for episode 55. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember to uh, rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on our social media. We'd greatly appreciate both of those things. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you back next week. Yeah.